Mr. Benfica is a production of the PTB Media Network. All rights reserved. All opinions are my own. Mr. Benfica can be found on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Breaker, CastBox, Overcast, iHeartRadio, Pocket Casts, Radio Public, TuneIn, Stitcher, and Himalaya, as well as select episodes on YouTube at the Mr. Benfica channel there on YouTube and also all episodes available at www.mrbenfica.com. What's up, Benfica Nation? Welcome to a special election edition episode of Mr. Benfica, episode 92. Coming to you here from the PTB Media Network in the Upper East Coast of the United States of America to the world. Uh, We have an election to talk about today. It's episode 92, like I said. And you, I'm sure, have heard by now anybody listening to this show follows this closely, but Luis Felipe Vieira has, in fact, been re-elected as president for another four-year term. He says it's his last... We'll, uh, we'll hold off on... on uh, we'll hold off on that one. I'll, again, I, as with many things, I'll believe that when I see it. But the real story, I think, is the 38,106 that turned up to vote yesterday in the election in the midst of this... COVID pandemic with so many rules and regulations, with so many uh, security measures and safety measures that had to be taken and that have to be taken on a daily basis. With all of those in place, 38,106, majority of which did this in person, about 4,000 or so um, abroad voted electronically. The rest of the rest of the Saucius, uh, they voted by standing in line on a cold, rainy day at night in Portugal, somewhere at one of the, the, I think, 24 voting stations set up throughout the Republic of Portugal. And they stood and waited. Some waited two hours. Some waited four hours. Some waited even longer. When the polls were scheduled to close at 10 p.m., 2200 hours Lisbon time, 
Um, the line at the Stadio de Luz was still out around the stadium to the Cologne, the shopping mall across the street. Anyone who's been there, um, it, the the Cologne, uh, the Colombo, excuse me, uh, mall. From what I heard, that is where the line, the last person in line was still standing, and that last person, about two and a, two hours and ten minutes or so later, was was in the pavilion in the gymnasium casting the final vote then we got a report that there were still 40 to 50 people at the Seychelles assuming though that was staff that had just probably finished working a long day at the academy um a lot of people have no idea what type of hours academy staffs put in not not just at these big clubs but at all at all clubs there are staff members that literally work with every single team from the youngest to the oldest to the first team to the reserves to the U23s you name it the women's team um so there are staff members that put in a full day every day at the Seychelles there are trainers there are coaches there are scouts there there's maintenance workers okay there are jan- custodians or janitors whatever you want to call them um they all had the right to vote. And I like the tweet that I saw that we couldn't end the election until Huben Amorim had time to cast his vote. That's right, the sporting manager, Huben Amorim. I wonder if he voted yesterday. Um, uh, probably not because he would have been recognized. But I don't doubt that if uh, it was a secret online vote uh, that Ruben Amorim probably would have cast a vote yesterday. But with that said, okay, that is the story, I think, for me. The t- biggest takeaway is the largest participation of any sporting election or any sporting democratic event in Portugal's history. As of last night, there was um, there was at least one larger turnout in history. Um, TVE 24 did report of a Boca Juniors election that had about two to three hundred more people. Um, also. On, on continue the Benfica on YouTube, uh, Mikey there Gonçalves shout out to him uh, did did give a a number of a Barcelona election that eclipsed forty thousand votes. But this is quite possibly the third highest turnout all time in football or in sports club elections, and it's not just a football election. So I need I need to to, to emphasize that as well. I had a conversation. A couple of conversations off the record yesterday via social media, via instant messages with some of the, I'm not going to name them obviously because um, they they are at the club and they are not free to speak about these things. But um, a couple of professional athletes with Benfica in a, in a different sports and um, they also, you know, they, they cast their votes and I got their, their reasoning as to why they voted for who they did. And sometimes we, as supporters, we get fixated on the men's football team and um, results of the men's football team, and we vote for a president of an entire club based on that. And at the end of the day, that is the driving force at this club. That is the reality. But um, let's just say one of these candidates meant a lot more to the hundreds, maybe, of other athletes in the club that do not play men's football, that do not play futsal okay um i know the the women's team are you know a lot of them were vocal but they are supportive of luis felipe vieira and is it hard to understand why he brought women's football to benfica 
I think he brought it about 10 or 15 years too late, in my opinion. Maybe 10. Um, we're in our third season now. I think we should have started uh, women's football about 5 to 10 years ago. Um, Befica really should have been a leader in women's football, and it took too long. But he was the man that brought uh, the sport to the club. And the players are grateful for the opportunity, obviously, to wear the Manto Sagrado, to wear the, the sacred jersey. And obviously that is that is something that is going to make people feel very good and very grateful towards the current president and now the, the newly re-elected president. You guys know where I stand on him. I have been vocal, okay? However, I do have to say this before we continue with this episode, that every single Benfiquista now needs to get behind Benfica, okay? This can't be about Luis Felipe Vieira. Unless there was cheating in this in this uh, election, and there are people cr- calling for, for a count because it was announced that the the urna, the urn, or the the ballot box would not be opened. So they won't be counting the ballots until at another time. Now, the paper ballots are back up, okay? Everybody cast an electronic vote. And that's what tabulated the winners so quickly. That's why we knew 45 minutes after the last, the last member, uh, after the last member cast his vote, who the president was. Of course, they knew even sooner. If you were watching, either BTV, RTP, uh, Sport TV, Canal 11, Eleven Sports, uh, TV tw- TVI 24, like I was watching. Uh, you saw Luis Felipe Vieira in his in his slate arrive at the stadium about 10, 15, 20 minutes before the official announcement. That told all of us who had won the election. And then it was announced, rather than it being announced from the podium, it was announced by the media. So it was leaked to the media, pos- intentionally probably. Um, but at the end of the day, this election could not have run any smoother, in my opinion. Now, I'm going to get into everything we saw in the next segment. I am going to take a quick break here to pay a bill. All right. And on the other side, we're going to hear the first couple words of the president, Luis Felipe Vieira's opening statement of his speech. And then I'm going to share my thoughts, share my uh, reactions, my observations, my concerns going forward. Okay. And I have a lot of those. So um, we'll be right back here on Mr. Benfica. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast wherever you get your podcasts. Subscribe to the YouTube channel. All right. Hit subscribe and hit the little bell next to it so that you are alerted whenever there is a new Mr. Benfica video out. And also follow Mr. Benfica on Twitter at Benfica Mr. On Instagram at Mr. Benfica. Facebook is www.facebook.com forward slash Mr. Benfica. You can reach me uh, through email, of course. I look forward to emails and I enjoy interacting uh, via email with anybody that prefers that method of con- of of interaction and, and the address is the Mr. Benfica at gmail.com. T H E Benfica Mr. at gmail.com you can reach me there and of course uh this episode and all the others are available um on www.mrbenfica.com and there'll be more content going out there very very soon still working on it um 
I will be posting some stuff very, very soon. Like I said, just waiting on a uh, waiting on a tech to uh, to launch the new the new interface. So um, yeah, I'm still waiting. But anyway, uh, I'm gonna take that quick break, okay? And on the other side, where I will get into uh, election day, the coverage, the reaction, the fallout, all of the above. All right, here on Mr. Benfica on the PTB Media Network. <laughs> Benfiquistas deram hoje uma demonstração única de vitalidade. Nunca nenhum clube em Portugal votou tanto e de forma tão descentralizada. O país assistiu hoje à maior manifestação eleitoral de um clube em Portugal. A minha primeira palavra vai por isso para os benfiquistas e para o exemplo que hoje deram. Tenho orgulho em liderar um clube com esta capacidade de mobilização, com esta militância, com esta capacidade de dizer presente quando são chamados a decidir pelo futuro do seu clube. Fizemos hoje, por todo o país, não foi só uma claríssima demonstração de democracia, mas acima de tudo da competência e da capacidade de organização de todos os nossos profissionais. Benfica nunca um clube fez o que hoje o Benfica fez hoje. And welcome back to Mr. Benfica. This is episode 92 and we're talking about the election tonight. This is a special episode um, focused completely on this 2020 Benfica election. What you heard right there was the president once again elected to yet another term, Luis Felipe Vieira. And he's saying that uh, what he said there was pretty much summarizing that today, oh, Benfica, Benfica Nation, if you will, the, the, the Saucius, the fandom, um, exercised their right and in a way um, never before seen in Portugal, essentially, with that many people voting in that um you know, in such an uncentralized way, pointing out that the election took place in so many different locations for once, not in three or four, not just at the stadium, all right? This was not an election that was decided solely by the Benfiquistas in Lisbon, okay, which sometimes is a criticism that is made. This was an election decided by Benfiquistas just about everywhere. I know some of you, I'm wondering if anyone out there did not get their pen because, um, I know, I know. Some of you got it like on uh, on the day of of the election, and I know some of you had to make a phone call to get it. Um, I'm wondering if anybody did not vote because they did not receive their pen. Um, I know it can't be easy because they were probably mailed out at a time, and then the the Portuguese government put in this. Not to get into, you know. Um, government politics, but put in this this semi lockdown coming up this weekend, which I think is a. I haven't agreed with much of what's gone on in, in dealing with this COVID uh, pandemic. Um, I don't believe in in hiding from a virus the way a lot of gov. I, I I see what I see is I see a lot of governments exercising power for the sake of exercising it. I don't really think many governments really give a damn about people. To be honest with you, they care about power. They care about themselves, and um, I think it's 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 it is borderline ridiculous that this coming weekend, Portuguese people um, supposedly are going to be confined to their home districts. Okay, and 
Well, that that put a, a wrench in this uh, election anyway, and that's the only reason I brought it up. That put a wrench in this election, forcing it to be moved to a weeknight. Okay, so even more impressive with the voter turnout is that it happened on a weekday, I should say. It went all day. It went from, I believe, like 9 in the morning until 10 o'clock at night. Um, and then well past midnight um, until everyone in line had had their chance to vote, depending on your location. And then, there were, like we said, there were 40 or 50 um, people at the Seychelles that were that voted um, after the ballot boxes had been closed at the Stade de Luz at the pavilion. Um, but... Because of of the government's action on on this week of all weekends, um, I know that that cases are are on the rise again. I know that they're spiking, but at some point, and I think I, we're gonna end up getting to this at some point. Okay, a lot of fans upset about the images from from the Formula One race in Portimao last weekend. I personally have no issue with it. I believe people are free, and I believe that. Um, People, if they want to put themselves at risk, have that right, okay? I don't believe that you punish healthy people because, you know, because of a percentage of people that are sick. I believe that you quarantine and you you shelter in place for the people that are at risk and not everybody. I think that governments around the world have absolutely destroyed their economies. They've destroyed people's livelihoods. They've destroyed people's businesses. There's no doubt about that, okay, with with overextended um, lockdowns and and stay-in-order mandates. But anyway, that's not the, the point of, of this episode, obviously. But I am put, just putting out there the, um, the backdrop for this election, okay? The backdrop. And despite, despite that environment, despite no doubt that peer pressure to not stand in a line, no matter how social distanced it is. There are people who absolutely get paranoid when they see more than three or four people together in one place, mask or not, okay? Um, so there is definitely peer pressure to not put this election on. I'm sure the officials at Benfica received complaints. There's no doubt about it. They received complaints, and somebody was giving them a headache about this, but they pressed ahead, so I have to applaud the the Miz of the Assembly Geral, the the General Assembly, or the table of the assim, of the General Assembly who put on the election, um, for getting this thing pulled off and pulling it off without a hitch. I mean, normally with Benfica, when these things happen, there's there's a failure in the technology, there is a failure in communication. I think all things considered, this thing went on went on wonderfully, and you know the voter turnout shows that things um, everybody did their part and everybody cooperated. But on that backdrop, this ele- this historic election takes place, and you hear the president there um, applauding everybody who took the time to vote. Of course, I don't think he would feel that way had he lost. <laughs> I really don't think if he, if the votes had gone in the, in the other uh, favor, he would feel so so gracious for everyone participating in such a free way and in an uncentralized way. I think if he had lost, he would have been thinking to himself, "Damn, we should have kept this thing in Lisbon." But now. Luis Felipe Vieira, 62.6%, if I'm not mistaken, of the votes. I know it's between 62 and 63%. I posted a, 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 to- a poll on my Twitter yesterday, only for about eight hours. Okay, I posted it um, around uh, my lunchtime yesterday. I set it for eight hours. Um, 
And I said, Benfica Nation, it's, this is from at Benfica Mister, of course. Hashtag Benfica Nation, it's election day. Who is your candidate? And the poll for the listeners of this show went more or less how I expected because I think I have a pretty good grasp of, of my listeners and my followers on social media and where they stand. But João Noronha Lopes, on my poll, wins in a landslide, not 79% of you listening to me or 79% of those of you who listen and went to my Twitter or who follow me on Twitter and voted in this poll selected him, Luis Filipe 19%, Rui Gomes da Silva, too. Okay, so obviously there is a difference between, I think there is a, a, there's a stark difference in, in who supports which candidate between the crowd of Benfiquistas who listen to podcasts, who read blogs, who who are on social media, who are vocal, okay, who go to matches. I think that's a big a big thing too. But I, especially those of us living abroad, I feel like have one opinion of Luis Felipe Vieira, and those of you living in Portugal, at least a higher percentage of those of you living in Portugal have a different opinion of Luis Felipe Vieira, and that's understandable. There's more things he can do for you there than than for us. I mean, a lot of times we feel abandoned out here. Like I said, we can't even get English language or French or German language coverage of this team. It's as if we don't exist. It, it's as if a third generation, um, you know, like a, a lot of... A lot of uh, you listening. Um, I have a lot of listeners, obviously, in the United States and in Canada. And my highest demographic is the 18 to 22. Okay. Uh, slightly higher than the, the whatever, 32 to, to 36 or 35 to 40. Basically, there's people my age and then there's people that are, and there's the millennials as, as they're called. But um, there's the 18 to 25 or so age range. Those are the two demographics that that listen to this show and i think those two demographics for the most part are in the corner of joan Noronha Lopes in this election but um of course you know the the most senior of sausage you know the ones uh with the most votes the ones with the 50 vote ballots even a lot of the the higher um higher seniority 20 voter 20 vote balloters um don't listen to to us they don't listen to Benfica Independent they don't listen to Benfica podcast to to Curva excuse me to uh to they don't listen to Visão Vermelha or Curta Vermelha they don't listen to Benfica FM they don't listen to Brink Batista okay they watch BTV maybe or they watch Telejournal you know they watch Sport TV they have a different different outlook on what um, I'm not saying they're less they probably are less informed I'm gonna be honest uh, and it's not all of them okay there were many many seniors who said hey I am one of those who have 50 votes and I am not in the corner of president Luis Felipe Vieira. so I don't want to make I don't want to paint everyone with the broad brush but I think um, when you look at the demographics um, even the, putting the ages away, I, I don't think the age the age is, is is a factor, but I think it's it's where p- people consume their information. I think that makes the difference in this election and in most elections, even in in political de- uh, elections 
For example, we're having one here in the United States that the whole world's watching next Tuesday. Okay? People that watch mainstream news and watch television, you know, traditional television over the air or cable or satellite television tend to, to vote for one side of the aisle. People that consume that consume independent podcasts and YouTube streams and uh, live streams and and read blogs. This is, of course, overgeneralizing, but for, for, as an example, tend to vote the other way, okay? And I can confirm that just with people in my circles. The people that are voting on one side of the aisle get their information, generally speaking, in this place. People voting in the other side tend to get their information in that place. I think there were, a lot of that played out in this election here, and I think the Vietistas, a lot of them, are more of a mainstream crowd, okay? And I think there is, to an extent, some envy and some some disdain from those of us that are more of a hardcore audience. Now, like I've said since since forever, since I started this podcast, I've always I've always been very clear with my opinions of Luis Felipe Vieira as president of Benfica. You can put two and two together and figure out you know where my loyalty lies in this race, but from all there and um, unless I should say unless there is wrongdoing, okay, and if there's wrongdoing, it needs to be proved. You cannot just throw shade on an election and accuse accuse wrongdoing accuse corruption without any proof okay that you cannot throw the club's integrity in question to the rest of the world without proof but if there is proof out there and if somebody knows something and it can be proven that there was you know voter fraud going on that's one thing if this was a clean election like it kind of appears to be, with the exception of the fact that they haven't c- counted the paper votes. But like I said in the earlier segment, the paper votes are the backup in case the electronics fail. So they had all confidence in the electronics. The electronics gave the totals. Um, I do believe that uh, they're going to hold those. Those, If I'm not mistaken, they're holding those paper ballots. I'm not sure if they're planning on counting them or not. I don't think they are because a lot of people are tweeting. And there was a sign at Benfica's match today. Those of you that watched against uh, Standard Liège that said, Contem os votos. Count the votes. Okay, people want the paper ballots counted to make sure that they add up uh, to the numbers that the electronic vote gave us, the I vote. So, I think um, as long as this was clean... Everybody needs to accept the outcome of this this election. Okay? Democracy works like this. You don't always get what you want. And a lot of us didn't get what we wanted. Some of you are very happy. I, I have seen a lot of Vieta supporters have come out of the woodworks in the last 48 hours. Some of you right before the, the election or on election day. A lot since since he's been reelected have have expressed their their support have expressed their their happiness for this result listen benfica nation okay everyone is entitled to their opinion that's what makes this club great is that we don't have an owner 
We don't have some rich Arab sheikh, and this isn't anything against Arab people. I'm just using a, that was probably an insensitive comment, but I'm just using the example of, I'm thinking of Manchester City and Paris Saint-Germain. Okay, we don't have rich oil, you know, tycoons uh, that purchased our team and own and can do whatever they want. We don't have Peter Lim like Valencia does, who's in a constant fight with his supporters because he his family wants to remind Valencia fans that they do not own the club that he does. We do not have, you know, the the Glazer family like Manchester United does or Robin Abramovich. These people who put their money in at any time can decide they're out and they can leave the club completely debt-ridden. They can take their money and pull it out of the club. And, you know, we don't have that, okay? We are a democratic club, okay? And that's important. You know, there's only, there's only so many of these clubs out there, okay? And with the creation of Saad, some of the democracy has been taken out. Of the club, but this was a great uh, display of democracy. Okay, I this is the one of my core beliefs in life is that democracy is good and politics is is dirty. Okay, people have ruined democracy for the sake of democracy because people um, have lear- people have forgotten how to disagree civilly. And earlier this week on Befica podcast, Chris and and Alfredo talked about this. That they're very, you know, perturbed and very dis- disappointed and disturbed seeing people that they know on both sides of this election battle who normally would be friends and be sharing a drink or a coffee together and be cheering Benfica on together, hugging for goals at each other's throats, insulting each other, personal insults at each other over which candidate this, the, uh, which candidate they support. Now, sport mirrors life. And it's a microcosm for life. The same thing happens in, in modern politics today. Nobody knows how to get along with with anyone who disagrees with them anymore. It quickly becomes a a, a personal mudslinging battle. Okay? And it becomes a, a battle of insults back and forth. And it's unfortunate because, you know, democracy is a great concept. And it's a concept, in my opinion, that's in danger because it's being ruined by by people, okay? And it's being ruined by politics, by the science of politics, by the practice of politics. It's being ruined, okay? And people are losing their class. They're losing their their juizo, as we say in Portuguese. Their their judgment. They're just everyone is deciding and speaking emotionally. Nobody's speaking rationally, and there's been a lot of nasty things said. This was a, a somewhat nasty campaign, okay. And um, Luis Felipeita, as president now, has a very hard job, and I think every Benfiquista needs to judge him from today, October 29th, twenty twenty, going forward. One thing I. Did not like in this in this run up, and one thing that I didn't like from his supporters for why they support him, it's all about what he did ten years ago. It's all about what he did seventeen years ago. It's all about two thousand five winning the league after so many. Okay, I don't believe in that. Okay, um, if I get my job, don't do my job. When I get pulled in to get fired, you know, they're not going to say, you know what, since you were really good in 2007 and you helped so many people back then, 
and we're gonna overlook the last four years that you've been absolute shite. And we're gonna we're gonna overlook it, and we're just gonna uh, we're just we're just gonna let you continue, give you one more chance. Um, yes, Luis Fleifieta has done good things for this club. I have never never denied that. My stance has always been that I thought his cycle was finished. I believe in my heart of hearts and in one of my core beliefs is in term limits. Whether it's politics, whether it's it's sport, whether it's business. A lot of times with coaching, okay, even the manager has a cycle. So There are exceptions to the rule. Someone like Sir Alex Ferguson, obviously an exception, but how many of those have there been? A Sir Alex Ferguson. We saw uh, we saw Arsene Wenger at, at Arsenal overstay his welcome. His cycle should have ended earlier. Arsenal are in a worse position today because they did not recognize when that cycle had ended. In my educated opinion, Luis Philippe Vieira's cycle was over. In the la- But what happened was four years ago, there was no one to run against him. Eight years ago, there was a weak candidate that ran against him. So, um, that that he was he he was extended basically. I thought that when when he sent JJ away all the, five six years ago, that should have been the final straw. Uh, I know at the time we didn't see it for what it was. We we got mad at JJ. We thought he betrayed us. I've told everybody that I've since, you know, changed my mind, having time to look back and see how other things have have played out. I've come to the conclusion that I believe that it was that he was pushed out. I still stand to that belief, and that is why I don't like. I one thing I didn't like in this from Luis Felipe Vieira. Okay, I'm not putting in call in in doubt his victory, resounding victory, two th- almost two thirds. Okay, not just in total votes because of the you know exaggerate not exaggerated but the the weighted scale on which vo- votes are counted, but also in number of people who voted for him. He doubled up. He literally doubled up the closest competitor. So very clear winner. Okay, I'll get to the the opposition in a little bit and where I think they went wrong, but and and then after this episode, let me tell you, this is my the end of my career as a, a political analyst. I do not know how the people at CNN and at, at, at uh, Reuters and Sky or at BBC, excuse me, and, and networks like that do this. This is uh, not fun to talk about, but I'm going to share what I saw as a fan of this club, as someone with a footballing background, okay, who has been in football locker rooms and has been on staffs, okay, of a senior level and a professional level to an extent i i bring that to to my fandom okay so i have a unique perspective in my opinion um not completely unique but i have a much different perspective than the majority of the people in the who who follow this club and i did not like when JJ was unveiled, that he he made a chance, he he used the opportunity, and I'm sure he was told to do this, but he used that opportunity to to endorse the uh, the president for re-election. I did not like last Monday after the Bolinist match how he took sh- a shot at Bernard Silva. He might have been very much been very truthful, and um, honestly. What I would have liked JJ to say in that 
sense. And I don't think he was capable of saying this because it was Bernard Silva. And Bernard Silva is something that burns at JJ, I think. The criticism people give him for that misjudgment. And he doesn't believe it was a misjudgment, as he said. And you know what? To his, to JJ's credit, at that time, that, that was probably the right decision, okay? Because he explained who was he gonna, who was Bernardo gonna play in front of? Yes, he probably could have rotated him in and used him. Maybe he could have, he could have done a few other things. Um, maybe he wasn't telling the whole truth in that, in that, in that press conference on Monday. But to because it was Bernardo Silva, I think it burned at him, and he needed to fire a shot back. And he killed two birds with one stone by once again reminding everyone who his candidate was in the selection. I feel, this is my honest opinion, when you're talking about a football club or even a sports club, okay, the players, yes, they have a right to vote. They're saucyush. Every single player is is a saucyu, okay? Every single athlete in the club, I'm pretty sure, is a saucyu. I think that's a requirement when you sign with the club, okay? Um, every staff member. But the, the manager, the players, should not be allowed to, to publicly endorse a candidate, whether it's the it's a conflict of interest because it's their president, okay, and they have great persuasive ability over people. Georges Zouge has a lot of fans. There's a lot of of fans who who follow his every move. If he tells them to to go run headfirst into a brick wall, there are people that will do it for Georges Zouge, okay, because they they believe he's that good at what he does so I didn't like him taking shots at Bernardo Silva I'll talk about this I think a little bit more when when I review the Bolinish Saad match planning on recording that one tomorrow okay um I didn't I didn't like it I thought it was it was out of place what I would have liked George Zeus to say and like I said I don't think he could say this because of who we were talking about but George Zeus answer should have been Bernardo Silva is a sauce you like anyone else he has a right to his opinion people can agree or disagree that's what makes this club great that's what makes living in a free country or in a free society great now I just said that players and managers have great influence the difference is Luis Felipe uh, George Zouge or Andre Almeida, whoever, and I'm not saying Andre Almeida said anything publicly. Just saying Andre Almeida or Pizzi or or Rafa or or Samadis, the guys who've been in this in this team the longest. If they publicly endorse the president, first of all, they can't publicly endorse the opposition. That's their boss they're talking about. What type of work environment are they going to be able to work in going forward after that? They cannot publicly endorse the opposition. That's obvious. So. Um. So the only only candidate that can be endorsed by the players, the staff, the athletes of all the sports is the current president. In reality, if they're gonna do it publicly, okay. So that right there slants. I that's why I don't think they should be allowed to say anything publicly, including all of the managers. And if, to my knowledge, uh, George Zouj is the only one who hinted at who he was voting for. And I think he did it very intentionally without saying it exactly. But you can easily interpret his words into support for Luis Felipe Vieira. Ooh, president. And um, I think he also couldn't miss the opportunity to take a shot at Bernardo Silva, to be honest. The problem is Bernardo Silva, even though he had 
almost no minutes in the first team. I don't think he had any official minutes. Um, is an icon to a lot of Benfiquistas. Okay. Georges Azouz does not need to go starting a... He does not need to go starting a civil war between Benfica fans, between Vieristas and Neuronistas, or between, you know, the status quo and the opposition. That's really... He's playing with fire in doing that, in my opinion. The difference is Bernardo Silva does not work for the club. Bernardo Silva is at Manchester City. He's free to say whatever he wants. Okay? It's pretty obvious he'll never come back to the club while while Luis Felipe is president. If there was any chance of that, it ended in this in this election cycle. But he is a sauce you like anyone else. He has a platform, but he's no different than than you know any other Benfica who's on television. He's no different than Andre Ventura or than you know Tony for that exam- for that for that matter. He's no different than than. Any other Benfiquista that we know that is not directly employed by the club. And he has a right to his opinion. And he articulated his opinion well. And I think that... I think that... George Azuz kind of went out of bounds on this one. That's just my opinion. Listen, he's the manager. I read some tweets saying that he was... If if, if Vieta loses... That that LFV was that George Azuz JJ was gone, and I, that's that was not going to happen. There's way too much money on the table. George Azuz is first and foremost a businessman. He has said that he's a football manager, but he's a businessman as well. He's not leaving that kind of money on the table um, just because he's got a new boss. Okay, and had Jean Lopes won this, won this. Election, he was not about to go spend that kind of money to get rid of George Azouz. They would have, they would have been forced to work together. Okay, what I'm going to do real quick is I'm going to read. Here is the new board that was elected yesterday. Okay, so we have the president, Luis Felipe Vieira, as you all know. Vice presidents, there are six vice presidents and two alternate vice presidents. The first name on the list as vice president was Rui Costa. He is going to be the vice president handling the football, to my understanding. Uh, the next vice president was José Eduardo Moniz. The next one is João Varandas Fernandes, who already made a comment earlier today that if you are against the president, you are against Benfica. We don't need comments like that the day after an election. That is not what this club needs right now. The ne- another vice president is Domingos Dalmeida Lima. Uh, Fernando Tavares and Silvio Servan. The two alternates are Jaime Antunes and Rui Manuel do Passo. Okay, the new table of the General Assembly, Amisa, the Assembleia Geral, they abbreviated as the MAG. You have Rui Pereira as the president of the MAG, Antonio Andrade, the vice president, Pedro uh Pedro Pila e Cunha is the first secretary. The second secretary is Miguel João Freira, while the the alternate secretary is Rodolfo Mascarenas uh, Lavrador. The new fiscal committee, or the fiscal committee that was part of the slate, was uh, with President Fernando Fonseca Santos, Vice President João Albino Augusto, and two Vogels, uh, Walter Godinho and José Manuel Appleton. That is your new board. 
elected yesterday by Benfiquistas. And now the first job of, of Luis Felipe Vieira, in my opinion, and this is very important, he needs to reunify these factions because there's still a lot of insults being go, going out. There's a lot of people who don't accept him as the president, and um, that's calling into, in, into question the, the very democracy from which selected this president. Again, if there was fraud in this election, that is one thing. And if you want to to push for an investigation to ensure there was no fraud, that is perfectly within the scope of of uh, what you should do as an opposition uh, candidate or as an opposition voter. That is totally fine. That is fair game. What can't happen is, you know, people turning their back on the club. Okay, and hoping the worst is if people start to to hope for bad results so that they can get Vieta out. Okay, that is is dangerous. Our neighbors across the Suklad. Okay, we've watched them at civil war essentially for the past several years. We are starting to sound a lot like them. We're complaining about the voting, and I'm not saying that this isn't justified complaining, but we're questioning the procedural um, aspect of the vote of the election. We are complaining about the president. We have people who refuse to to acknowledge the president. Um, we have others who are, I'm sure, going to openly protest. Can you imagine if supporters were allowed in the stadiums, more than the 4,800 or so that were there today, if we had 55,000 or 60,000 in the stadium tonight, um, I, there would have been organized, you know, organized backlash to the president. And while there's times that is justified, simply winning an election is not, in my opinion, justification for that type of manifestation. Now, again, if you believe there was wrongdoing, yes, push for an investigation. Press the matter, but you cannot condemn somebody until you have proof. Okay, so until there is proof of wrongdoing, this this election result needs to be accepted by everyone. And what Luis Felipe Vieira needs to do is he needs to extend the olive branch to Bernardo Silva, and he needs to get he needs to to kind of mend that fence that is a wound that a lot of benfiquistas are feeling because a lot of benfiquistas which you have to understand see themselves from a, a fan perspective in bernardo silva when they see bernardo silva supporting benfica here's a professional footballer one of the top in the maybe one of the top 25 footballers in the world okay the second best player on our portuguese national team that is european and European champion and Nations League champion right now, okay? One of the top-ranked teams in the world, fifth in the world, I think we're, we're ranked right now. Okay, here's the second-best player on that team and the future star of that team. And he is from our club. He didn't get the chance to play for our club, but he loves our club. A lot of supporters see his fandom and his passion, and it reminds them of them themselves. So when you attack him, you're attacking supporters, Okay, that fence needs to be mended. There needs to be, uh, you know, there needs to be some type of truce so that Benfica Nation can reunite and get behind this club, not just this team, but this club. This election was about mo a lot more than the men's football team. Okay, it, 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 
it was about who's going to run the club. Okay, so that is the first order of business, in my opinion, for this president. Second order of business, okay, is I think he needs to put, and this is my opinion, he needs to put Rui Costa, the now vice president, out front. Rui Costa should be the one talking to the press when it comes to football. He should be the one meeting people, okay. He should be the one going on the television shows, giving the interviews. And molding, if this guy is truly the future president, okay, I think he needs to take on a much bigger day-to-day public role. Behind the scenes, he may be very involved, but he needs to be uh, in the public. He needs to be on camera. He needs to be visible to all of Benfiquistas, okay? If you're really serious about making this guy, you know, the next president, or being the candidate for sustainability, if you will, for continuing this project after this mandate, after this term. Um, Louis, Luis Felipe Vieira needs to kind of guide Rui Costa and bring him from where he is to the forefront by the end of this term. I think he needs to handle it well. He needs to mold him. Not mold him, but he needs to protect him when necessary and put him out there when necessary. And he needs to recognize when each is appropriate, which you know, which one he needs to do. Now, let's talk for a minute about the opposition. Okay, what's disappointing, and you should be disappointed if you're a voter for the opposition. If you're a Joan Aronia Lopes supporter, okay, you need to be disappointed in the fact that they couldn't come to a deal to have only one opposition candidate. So that those votes uh, didn't didn't split like that. Yes, Rui Gomes da Silva was, and this was a guy I liked at the beginning of of this of this election cycle. And I think he's a very intelligent guy, but he's incredibly unpopular. Okay, and from what he said on his social media, he he put out a video that he said he offered to join forces with Neronio Lopes, he and Bruno Costa Carvalho. Okay, offered to get behind him supposedly, and every time Naronia Lopes blocked it. If that is true, if that is true, that is a missed step. Okay. Now, Gomes da Silva only picked up 1.2 percent of the vote, and there was one percent of the vote that was left blank in Branco, like they say. So that's a total of two percent that Naronia Lopes could have picked up. Still not enough to win the election. However. If it was only one, yes, we broke the record for the most, you know, the highest voter turnout. But if it had only been one candidate running against Luis Felipe Vieira and it was an either or choice, you might have had 40 or 45, 50,000 people casting a ballot. Okay. Because I think, I think a lot of people honestly were turned off by the fact that there were three and then by the election day two. Uh, opposition candidates splitting votes, while Luis Felipe Vieira's base, as you, as we, it played out exactly as I expected it to. His base held firm and came through, and won him the election once again. And um, he has a very loyal base. The Kazaj came through, okay, and the, again the people with the fifty votes apiece they came through for Luis Felipe Vieira. In the end, it was like a 200,000 vote victory, despite only having like 11,000 more people voting for him. Um, 
that shows where this, where where his his support lies. Um, but in the next election, that middle demographic, I'm telling you, those people with 20 votes, these people that are about my age or a little older, the people from like 30 to 50, they're going to be a bigger number, okay? And it's going to be more disputed. Now, if, if there was any wrongdoing, like I said, the opposition has the responsibility, if they be- truly believe it, to get it, to investigate, to pressure the club to investigate or to pressure an independent source to investigate the handling of this election to verify it. I don't believe in dragging the club through the mud just for the sake of doing it because you lost. Okay? I think if you're on the opposition, and a lot of you are, the, the responsibility now is to hold the president accountable. But you have to hold him accountable for what he does from today going forward. Okay, what happened 10 years ago was in the past. What happened f- the year of the Pinta is in the past. That was in this past mandate. This is a new term. He needs to be judged based on this term. And if he slips up, the pressure needs to be put on him. And he needs to be held accountable, which I'm sure he will be, by these opposition. You cannot let this defeat, if you are an opposition voter, you cannot let this defeat discourage you. Okay? I said you need to accept him as the president, in my opinion, but you also need to keep vigilant, okay, and keep holding him and his board accountable, and that includes Rui Costa. And the third part of this this conversation today, or this talk, is about Rui Costa, okay, and where this goes. And I I am very fearful, okay. This can go one of two ways, I think, this Rui Costa grand plan, which is, listen, Ten years ago, when Rui Costa stopped playing, it was already, you know, people were already seeing the the path being blazed for him to the presidency eventually. Now, Rui Costa is one of the great all-time players, okay? I don't know how many ex-players have ascended to the level of president of a major club before. They've ascended to the levels of, of sporting director or football director. Rui Costa's been there and done that. Um, he's been, you know, the president Assad. Okay, so he's been on the business side also. So he he should be well-formed at this point and well-prepared to take that hold if that is, in fact, A, what he wants to do, and two, what he's meant to do if he's really designed for that. Um, But I am very, very nervous that Hui Costa is going to, like I said, let's go one or two ways. He can either throw his playing legacy in the trash if he is not a good president or if not a good vice president or if some scandal comes out in the next four years that he is involved in with Vieira. Okay, Vieira has processes, he has complaints, he has subpoenas all over the place. And yes, he's yet to be convicted of anything. And you heard, we talked about him in, in episode 90, you heard him on, on Trio de Tac. Uh, he says, if he were not president of Benfica, none of this would happen. He wouldn't be accused of any of these things. So, but should, God forbid, a scandal break and be proven true and that Rui Costa is involved in it. I don't want to see Rui Costa turn into Michel Platini. Okay, that is the ultimate, like, you know, uh, that is exactly my fear is that he turn, he gets, him, gets into the wrong people, gets into corruption, and Rui Costa, this player I idolized as a kid, Okay, my favorite player as a kid, the number 10, the maestro, okay, 
And the day he came back, I was 20-something years old, and I cried when I saw Hui Kosha put a Benfica jersey back on. It was like a prophecy fulfilled. And he promised he would return, and he returned. I don't want to see that legacy thrown in the garbage, thrown in the, in the, in the, in the rubbish just, you know, because he got into politics here, into the sport politics, because he gets himself into some kind of scandal or surrounds himself with the wrong people, and he gets taken down. I'm very, very afraid of that. The other way this can go, in my opinion, and I think it's going to go one or two ways. There is a third route, but I don't think it's likely. He's going to become a phenomenal president, okay? He's going to serve for many years, and Benfica going to win many titles, and he is going to become the ultimate Benfica icon for Benficistas if if he does it as a player and then as president. Okay. That could be, you know, that could be his ultimate legacy and his he'll be immortalized in in the history and in the the story of Sport Lisboa e Benfica. So I think this is going to go one or one of those two ways. Of course, there's the third route in which he he stays clean. He gets elected. It doesn't go well, and he amicably steps down, or he's he's you know voted out. But but people still remember his his sporting merit, and he stays out of controversy. But I really feel, or I fear, I should say, of that. I'm really fearful of that first avenue, in which he gets involved in some kind of scandal, in which maybe some kind of lack of experience puts him around the wrong people. Although he's been he's been at the table for a long time now, he's been on the business side for a long time, um, close to a decade, and um, actually it's been longer than that. Uh, I believe he walked away from the game in 2008, so it's been 12 years that he has been in the in the direção or in the board or in the the staff um, of this club. So I hope he's smart enough to stay out of trouble, to stay clean. And to protect his reputation, um, if he is in fact going to be president in four years, and will who is in their right mind going to run against uh, who is going to run against Rui Costa at Benfica, unless there's some kind of scandal that can that can be used against him? All right, so I'm a little afraid of that, and that that's kind of turning this into a monarchy, if you will, where the president is kind of handpicking his successor and handing it off. Um, because of the popularity of that person, but we'll 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 have to wait and see. Maybe Vieta doesn't even walk away. Who knows? Uh, Pinto da Costa has uh, has said a couple of times that this was his ultimate, his his final term, and he's run for re-election unopposed several times. So we'll wait and see. Um, a lot of people are uncomfortable with the length of this presidency. I have seen it from the opposition side. A lot of you feel like we have our own Pinto da Costa now, and that you don't like it. A lot of you on the opposition are very much holding dear the values and the 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 class of this club and putting that above above the even results and I think that is admirable and I'm going to be honest right now I understand both sides okay I understand why people want to keep Vieta I understand why people want to remove Vieta all right um what Needs to happen, though, in the next four years, going into this next election. And what I think, regardless of who runs, what I think Saucius need to to make known through the AGMs, through the Assemblée Gerais, through 
whatever means you need to through the social media, through official communications. This voting process needs to be looked at. Okay, a lot of people don't believe in the 50 vote per, you know, one person getting 50 votes. Again, when we start talking about this, we sound like sporting. Okay, and it's a generational, it becomes a generational battle in that in that sense. And I, you know, you hear a lot of it from their side and rightfully so. They're in their own battle and I don't want to go down the road they've been on the last four years. Okay, I don't want to see such a strong force to remove my president that it begins to hurt the club and worst of all, hurt the product on the on the pitch. Okay, these players need to be given the the. These athletes need to be given all the conditions and all the the opportunity to succeed. Okay, I think Luis Vieira won this election with the signing of Jorge Jesus. I will I will stand by that. I think that was the final blow to save the presidency, and the fact that the team got off to a five and zero start in the in the league, fifteen points from five matches, uh, certainly helped them. It it helped overshadow the elimination from the Champions League. Okay. And the majority of people may not like George Jesus, but they know the team will perform under him, and they tolerate that. Okay, but moving forward, I think there are issues that need to be brought to the front by the membership. One of them is the way that the election is conducted in terms of how many votes each person gets. I think it's a time for people to brainstorm. It's a time for people to present ideas. Uh, There's a time to bring it forward and to let, Everyone decide which way they want this club to go, okay? Because I don't think we want to have a hierarchical club where the elders make all the decisions, okay? And we run that risk at some point of getting into that point if we don't address this. I think also what needs to be brought to the forefront is the issue of term limits, and I'm a strong believer in term limits. Of course, if you're Rui Costa, the last thing you want to hear <laughs> as you run for president, uh, you know, at the age of 50 or whatever he will be in four years, if that is in fact what he does, is your membership telling you they want term limits. You've just waited. It'll have been 16 years that you just waited for your opportunity to the presidency, and now they're telling you you can only be president for eight years or 12 years or whatever. It is that the membership decides. But you know what? These things need to be brought forward in the assemblies. They need to be voted on by the membership and put into law or into into uh, into code, whatever you want to call it, into um, statute uh, for the club. Okay, Those are the two issues I think that need to be addressed. And what needs to also be had, okay, and this is something that needs to happen in this next term, is the BTV situation needs to be improved in terms of, in terms of, you know, journalistic integrity. I think that um, BTV needs to be given some freedom to criticize, okay. I think that they need, they have a responsibility to cover elections, going forward they need to give a platform to all the candidates they are the club's team they don't have to have i don't you know i think debates would be better better done on an independent site like i've said but i think that there needs to be programs and there needs to be a platform given to anyone who wants to speak in regards to things going on at the club and btv is the club's network the club's channel and that needs to be available to the membership and to anybody running okay 
to put in statutes as to what it takes to con- to constitute the right to go on the television and give your opinion for the membership to hear. You know, the people in charge need to sit down and come down with that, come up with that. We cannot have this television channel be a propaganda arm for the 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 I don't want to call it a regime. I've called it that in the past. We don't want it to become a propaganda arm for the the board for the slate that is in power. Okay? It needs to be free speech needs to be exercised. Journalistic liberty and integrity needs to be exercised on that network. That those are two things I think that need to be resolved in this four year term and addressed and talked about and hammered out. What do you guys think? Um, are are you okay with this? Are you are you gonna be a? Are you still on the opposition? Are you still hoping that something happens that he's moved out? Email me at the Mister Benfica at gmail and let me know what you think. Okay, where does the club go from here? What's the most important thing for you going forward? You can tweet this at me also. Use the hashtag Mister Benfica um, if you're tweeting at me or sending me an Instagram message. Okay, you can also do that. I'm on Instagram, obviously, at Mr. Benfica, and on on um, Twitter, at Benfica Mr. And like I said, use the hashtag Mr. Benfica. Let's get that hashtag spinning so we can have these conversations, and you guys can even talk with each other about this. Um, keep, it, keep it civil, of course. But what do you think is the single most important issue going into this this presidential term? And what do you want to see? What is the most important thing you want to see resolved in this next four years. All right, that's going to do it for this special election episode. We are coming up on the one-hour mark, and um, I'm sure you don't want to hear me monologue any longer, and I'm sure you're di- you you want to hear me talk football because uh, that is why you listen to me, I believe, is for football. And there was a match today, of course, like I said, uh, Benfica victorious once again in the Europa League. 3-0 winners over Standard Liège. Um Schedule going forward as far as Mr. Benfica and as far as podcast uh, releases. Plan is to have another episode recorded tomorrow to go out either tomorrow or the next day. Okay. Um, It'll be a review of the Bolinish Sad match. And then this weekend, um, I have a women's team review coming out. And on Sunday, I'll be recording a review of today's match to release Monday morning. And then Mefico will play again Monday night. Uh, they'll be on the road at Boavista. That is the next match. Okay. And we'll we'll take it one episode at a time as we start to creep towards 100. And I'm pretty pretty psyched about that. And, um, I'm, uh, and I'm, I'm excited. Uh, yeah, I'm excited to get to, to episode 100, but I don't want to just create episodes to get there also. I want to make sure that every episode has something to offer. And um, for those of you that this isn't your cup of tea, thank you for listening if you're still there. Um, like I said, we'll resume the football tomorrow. I'll get another episode to you in the next 24 to 36 hours or so. And um, I got more content coming your way in the coming days, okay? Um as I do have some time now in the next two, three days to create, to crank out some content. But I do vow to do my best to, to continue to give you quality and not just quantity. And um, again, I want to hear from, from you guys. What do you think is the most important thing going forward? And perhaps I'll read some of your some of your ideas in the next episode. If I get if I get, you know, a sufficient amount of ideas, I will read some of them, some of the best ones in the next episode. All right. 
So again, the Mr. Benfica at Gmail dot com is for the email again don't forget um if you want to listen to some if you want to go back and listen to some previous episodes can do so wherever you get your podcasts or at www.mrbefica.com and I'm not sure if tomorrow's episode will be on youtube or not i'll that'll be a game time decision the reason being it takes a bit longer to get the YouTube episodes uploaded and to get them converted into audio to put them uh, on the podcast platform. And this is a podcast, so that is still my my priority, although I do like putting, putting the episodes on YouTube and hopefully getting them out to more people. All right. Thank you, everybody, for listening here to episode 92. Once again, this has been the Mr. Mike Agustinu breaking down, talking about the the election of course one last thing if anyone else noticed how btv turned into cnn yesterday i had it on all day long okay i had it on all day long and you would think that joe martins and elder kundutu were working for cnn i mean they were talking and the, the guests they brought in they brought in some good guests that were explaining um elections and explaining uh the political side of the proceedings to people who maybe didn't know, a lot of people voted for the first time in this election. I think that has been been stated. Um, what I did find unfortunate were people refusing to speak to BTV. Okay, that doesn't encourage BTV to cover these kinds of things. First of all, and second of all, it is not. We need to remember our frustrations with BTV cannot be reflected onto the talent. Okay. The on-air talent has no say in these things, okay? They're just doing their job. I plead with people that in the future don't, you know, Susanna Kahu doesn't deserve to be abused by fans waiting in line just because she's working for BTV, okay? And you're upset with the way BTV has, has covered the club in the past year or in the past four years especially. Um, so I, I just I want to politely ask everyone to keep that in mind. Um, they're just doing their jobs, okay? And um, let, let's all be civil, okay? Let's let's get back to being Befica. Let's not go into civil war. Let's not uh, let's not start that because that could be a real dark hole we crawl in. And we want this club to flourish. We don't want to go back uh, in Vietnam. No, we don't want to go back to Vietnam. Okay, those of you that weren't around yet for that, trust me, it was no fun. Okay, year after year being ridiculed, year after year hoping you came in third place. Uh, we don't want to get back to that. All right. So it is Benfica above all else. Okay. The club comes first. The badge is more important than the name of the president, more important than the name on the back of the player's jersey, more important than the name on the manager's uh, placard in his office. Okay. Uh, the, the the badge of the club, Sport Lisboa e Benfica, is the most important. Thank you. All right. This is going to be my sign off. E Polurubus Unum. Of many one. Por todos. Ooh. Bye, everybody, and I'll talk to you again tomorrow. Mm-hmm.